I am Chris Klein, Director of Butterfly Ridge Conservation Center in Southeast Ohio, and this is Ridge Notes. Welcome to Ridge Notes. My name is Chris Klein, and I am the Director of Butterfly Ridge Butterfly Conservation in Southeast Ohio, and thank you for listening to this Ridge Notes episode. This week, we are going to continue with our discussion about monarchs. Uh, the last two episodes have been a interview with uh, Gail Morris of the Southwest Monarch Study out in Arizona. And in those interviews, we did bring up a couple of controversial issues in the monarch community, namely uh, the decision by Fish and Wildlife to not list the monarch butterfly as threatened and endangered at this time. And then we also discussed whether using the term extinct as it relates to the monarch butterfly population, is an appropriate term to use. And of course, my feeling is that it is not an appropriate term. And so today's topic, once again, going to lean towards that controversial side, is actually the topic of tropical milkweed, uh, also known as Asclepius curasavica, for those who like the scientific names. And uh, tropical milkweed is planted throughout the United States, is considered an annual, and folks plant it, A, because it's pretty, and B, because the monarchs seem to like laying eggs on it and the caterpillars seem to enjoy eating it as much, I guess, as you can figure out whether they're enjoying it or not. I guess the fact that they eat it is a positive sign. And then finally, the tropical milkweeds. Uh, tropical milkweed tends to have a longer growing period than what our native perennial milkweeds do. And so the tropical uh, gives you a little bit more extra time to, to feed monarch caterpillars since it goes a little bit longer. How tropical milkweed is controversial? Well, there are two basic arguments to poo-poo the planting of tropical milkweed. Argument number one relates to a study that was put out, oh, it's been several years ago now. And in this study, the study suggested that tropical milkweed harbors a protozoan uh, that infects monarch butterflies. And we call it OE. Uh, of course, it's got a longer name. It's about 20 characters long and hard to pronounce, and so that's why everybody calls it OE. But what this study uh, once again suggested was that OE is able to live on the surface of this tropical milkweed, and then as female monarchs especially come along to lay eggs uh, on the milkweed, they pick up these OE spores and spread it to other plants. Uh, the caterpillars end up getting the OE spores on them, and it can cause uh, serious issues. Uh, monarchs with a heavy OE infection, sometimes they don't even emerge out of their chrysalis. Uh, sometimes when they do, their wings are all deformed and they're unable to fly, uh, which of course makes them sitting ducks for predators uh, that might be in the area. And so that's, that's the problem with OE. 
And so when that study came out, the monarch enthusiast community uh, had their arms in the, up in the air and the sky was falling and anybody with half a brain should not be planting tropical milkweed in their gardens. Unfortunately, there was a caveat. There was a, a key detail that folks were choosing to not mention. And that detail was that this harboring of the OE parasite was largely a problem along the Gulf Coast, where it is hot and humid. Uh, it's not necessarily a problem in the Midwest. It's not necessarily a problem in the northern Great Plains. It is a problem in Louisiana, Mississippi, Gulf Coast of Texas. Uh, and once again, that's because it's hot and humid. And just being hot is not enough. You really have to have that humid piece. To give you an idea, in Arizona, of course it's hot. And uh, Arizona has some of the lowest OE infection rates in the country. Um, people still plant the tropical milkweed in their gardens in Arizona, so how can that be? How can Arizona have such low OE rates? Well, because, as, as the joke always goes, Arizona's a dry heat, which makes it so much more appealing. That, that dry heat, that lack of humidity, is the key factor that uh, keeps the OE at bay. So there's a, like I said, a huge caveat with that whole OE piece and tropical milkweed harboring that particular monarch parasite. The other main controversy with the tropical milkweed, it has been suggested that the presence of the tropical milkweed will actually cause monarchs to delay their migration. So in other words, They'll be flying along, migrating just fine. They will see tropical milkweed in a garden area below, go down, check it out, say, hey, this is great. Let's stop migrating and squeeze in another generation on this tropical milkweed. Now, Dr. David James at Washington State University, he has claim, he's claiming that that concern that the tropical milkweed's going to delay migration uh, that concern is significantly overblown, and he's basing that on research that he did in Australia. Uh, maybe right now is a good time to review uh, some basic monarch biology. When monarchs, when that migratory generation uh, emerges from their chrysalises late August and into September, they are in what we call biological diapause meaning those monarchs, instead of spending energy on reproduction, finding a mate, laying eggs, etc., instead, they're going to put all those urges on hold, and they're going to spend that energy flying, migrating instead. Well, what, what Dr. David James found in Australia, and just a note, Australia does not have any of its own native milkweeds, all the milkweeds there have been introduced over time. What David James found was that the milkweeds in Australia were not distracting monarchs, were not causing them to break diapause and start squeezing in new generations. What he found was he found diapausal monarchs, migratory monarchs, hanging out right in the milkweed patch. 
and yet they weren't breaking diapause, they weren't trying to lay eggs and mate and all the other. So this concern that tropical milkweed's going to somehow stop migration in its tracks uh, seems to me pretty obvious that it's an overblown concern. And as more evidence against that, in Arizona, we have several uh, native perennial evergreen milkweeds in southern Arizona. So, for example, in the mountains around Tucson and the Catalinas, you have pine needle milkweed, which is green all year round, available for monarch caterpillars to eat all year round. Uh, in the lower deserts, you have Asclepias subulata. Some people call it uh, rush milkweed um, because the, the plant itself is largely just looks like green sticks, kind of like rushes. Once again, that's evergreen, and it's available pretty much all year round. But monarchs migrating through Arizona are not stopped in their tracks and choosing to, to uh, lay eggs and, and create caterpillars and new generations on that evergreen milkweed that's in the southern part of the state. Uh, no, instead, they keep migrating either west to coastal California or southeast to the mountains around Mexico City. So, so right there is an example of the presence of perfectly fine milkweed um, that is not causing migration to stop in its tracks. And so the idea that tropical milkweed would somehow cause migration to cease, um, yeah, I think that's a little bit overblown. Now, what I do think can cause the migration to stop in its tracks, and we've got some evidence of that here in southeast Ohio, and that is climate change. So three of the last four years, we had unseasonably warm temperatures here in southeast Ohio, so our September and October felt much more like a July or an August. And what happened was monarchs started searching out finding what little bit of milkweed was left and started laying eggs on it. And of course, something that causes that milkweed to be available is some of our mowing practices. Uh, so when, when milkweed would normally be dying out and going dormant, because of our mowing practices, you had fresh milkweed that was coming up. And monarchs were taking advantage of that uh, rather than continuing their migration. But once again, I would argue that was because we were having unseasonably warm weather. Uh, last year, 2020, our autumn was the way it was supposed to be. Okay, coolish, you know, cool evenings, uh, not as hot during the day, and people were rarely finding caterpillars in late September and October, um, unlike the three previous years. So I think climate change is a much greater concern as far as delaying the migration than what tropical milkweed is. Now, I think it's important to keep things in perspective. There's one particular scientist out there who will remain nameless because I think a lot of their research is, uh, shall we say, flawed, I guess. Um, and this one particular researcher has commented that you can't have it both ways. You can't have eggs and larvae in the wintertime along with a healthy migration. Well, and I think that's maybe 
I'm not sure if, if saying putting the cart before the horse is appropriate. Um, I think it maybe is ignoring either the cart or the horse in that when we think about monarchs, I think for most of us, I, at least I hope, our concern is with the butterfly population, okay, the species itself. We don't want monarchs to go away, all right? If your concern is with the migration, then I guess I would ask that maybe you reconsider that, rethink that. Because, for example, with climate change, uh, as things are starting to warm up on a global scale, perhaps the monarchs are evolving a different way to deal with winter. Okay, maybe they've decided the way to do it is to stay more local, if you will, uh, not necessarily fly thousands of miles someplace else. So maybe their way of dealing with climate change will be for the migration to go away. Maybe the monarchs will no longer see a need to migrate if all they have to do is go to the Gulf Coast or go to Arizona or South Texas rather than having to fly an extra thousand miles beyond that. If our concern is strictly the migration, um, I would argue that maybe we are viewing this from the wrong perspective. Uh, and I would argue whatever, whatever keeps monarchs going, um, that's the, the way it should be. So if that's finding eggs and caterpillars in Arizona in January, well, then so be it. Now, you may get the idea that I'm a big tropical milkweed fan, which I actually am not, uh, because it's an annual. Okay, I'm not a big fan of annuals. Uh, why would I want to plant something year after year after year when I, in fact, have native milkweeds that can do the job for me? So that's, that's my poo-poo against uh, tropical milkweed, not because it's harboring OE, not because it's stopping migration in its tracks, but for me it's just it's too high maintenance for, for my gardening concerns. I'll stick with the stuff that's low maintenance. So if you have questions about tropical milkweed or any of our native milkweeds, feel free to give me a shout. My email address is chris, that's C-H-R-I-S, at butterfly-ridge.com. And by the way, we typically give away for free uh, lots of different kinds of milkweed seed. And so if you're looking to get milkweed, the what I would argue the good, wonderful native perennial milkweeds, get some of that started in your home landscape, uh, give us a shout. We can probably set you up with some seed. Um, and once again, when you hear when you hear information about monarchs, about milkweed, um, do the little bit of extra research because there's there's groups out there that are intentionally not wanting to tell you the entire story. So you kind of got to figure out the entire story for yourself sometimes. And so with that, uh, let me tell you our next episode, we'll be talking about native R's. Those are native plant species that have been genetically tinkered with to change, alter, whatever. So technically they're still natives, but there's something about them that's a whole lot different. So that'll be our next topic next week. And in the meantime, take good care of those pollinators. Ridge Notes is sponsored by Butterfly Ridge Butterfly Conservation Center in the Hocking Hills of Southeast Ohio. 
Open every day but Tuesday, April 15 through October 15.